The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Brian Warfield is with me, the legendary singer with the Wolf Tones. Brian, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to next year. We'll be 60 years together. Is that? Is that? I was going to ask you, how long are you on the road? Oh my God, I can't believe it. It flew in. Really? Does it feel like that? (laughs) It's only like a skip of a finger. Um, Bring me back to the origins. The origins goes back to 1963 when um, myself and Noel Nagel and uh, Derek, my brother, we we got together and formed a bit of a group and uh, we had many people in it, kind of a loose arrangement. It wasn't quite a group at that stage. But uh, from then, I think, uh, Derek, we... We emigrated to England in 1963 and I played all the folk clubs around um, around London and we made the headlines in one of the papers. Oh yeah, what <laughs> we did were, you do? We were doing okay, uh, be it uh, Newsman's Herald or one of those mm. from from, uh, from uh, Essex, but uh, the Essex Newsman Herald, whatever that was. But uh, yeah, I got, we got the front page of that. We opened a club in Chelmsford and one of the great... Uh, Characters that we met along the road uh, in the folk clubs was Simon from Simon and Garfunkel, and he he ran the folk club and he liked the he liked the, myself and all so much that uh, he had us as uh, as a permanent uh, resident band in in his club. So we we I didn't find out that till uh, till my cousin said, you know, who, remember that Simon fell in. Uh, Folk club. I said, "Yeah, do you know who he is?" I said, "I haven't a clue." So that's Paul Simon from Simon. That that's absolutely mad, (laughs) isn't isn't it? it? He went on to become really famous. Yeah. So tell me, if had had I gone along to one of these clubs or working men's clubs or folk clubs, what what songs were you singing at the time? Well, we were singing a mixture of songs that like I'd got from my grandmother, like was like um, the Banshee Peelers, um, you know, things like uh, Johnny Hardy New Year. Um, we had a version of the Rocky Road to Dublin. We had uh, the Jugger Punch. We had mm. um, other songs, uh, you know, that we had learned from one of the albums from the McPeaks. And then we we got we eventually got an album from uh, America of some of the Clancy stuff. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff that we started off with, out of the family, you might say, Family known songs, and that's. Uh, and who was populating the audience back then? Were, were, were they mainly, Irish? No, to be mainly students. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a student scene at that time. It was like, um, you know, everybody wore a duffel coat and a polo neck shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everyone looked like a student. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the deal, you know, that was the dress. And did there come a point then you started to attract? The Irish in, in England audience. Not 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 then. Or not then, that came later. Particularly, yeah, that came later because like we weren't exposed to the greater community at any stage. Only people who were interested in folk music, mm. and uh, we p- played along with some great folk uh, legends over in England, like Ian Campbell Group, and um, and other groups who we met along the way. Dominic Bean was a very popular. Um, artists on that uh, circuit. Mm. So we, we were kind of in that circuit in and around London. We had the day job as well, of course. What was the day job? Uh, the day job was making chewing gum. <laughs> Make it out. You're working at a chewing gum factory. Chewing <laughs> gum factory. The AMV chewing gum factory. And the thing I remember most about that was we made, uh, the Beatles had just, like, 1963. Yeah. Just made their first album. 
and we were doing the chungam with all the Beatle photographs on it, you know, and uh, morning, noon and night that the Beatles album was playing in the Chungam factory. <laughs> yeah, did you grow to hate it a little bit? Did I what? Did you grow to hate it a little no, bit? I never because, did. No, I never did. So I, much. I, okay. I thought they were great. I really, really <laughs> was impressed. And it was, you know, I always thought that they looked kind of Irish from, from Liverpool and yeah. I felt, felt an association with them. Uh, well, it must have been an exciting time to be in and around London, was it? It was uh, for me, anyhow. We went, uh, we went on to better things over there, and uh, we started to get uh, like uh, the interval at dance halls. You know, like, yeah. uh, we'd go on and play the interval, and you know the the show band would come on and play the full set or whatever. But while there'd be change and having a break, we went on another couple of songs. We got paid. Not great money, but it was money. And were you trading as the Wolf Tones even we back then? We were trading as the Wolf Tones, uh, yeah, from 1963. Yeah. Okay. And tell us about that name. Obviously, everyone knows who it is named for, but was there much discussion about it or was there, did, you, did it just sound good to you or how did you no, think No, it? no, no, no. See, I, I love the history of Ireland and Wolf Tone, as you know, was uh, trying to bring all Irish people together, uh, Catholic, Protestant, the centre, and uh, that that meant a lot to me, and um, and uh, the name Wolf Tone kind of sat with a group as well. You know, we we were only a trio at that time. You know, mm. the Wolf Tone trio, and uh, then we became the Wolf Tone Ballad Group, and then it shortened up to the Wolf Tones soon after that. And how did you end up in the states then? When did that happen? Well, we were we were um, we got a recording contract in 1964. And we got a five-year contract for five albums with Fontana, who were a subsidiary of Philips. Yeah. And they had a, their studio there in Marble Arch. And we, we were spotted uh, somewhere along the line. And they asked us to come for an audition to uh, Marble Arch, which we did. And uh, we recorded the first album there. And there was groups like Dave, Deasy, Dozy, Vic and Titch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wayne Fontana, and uh, the pretty things and a couple of them uh, groups were in the in the the stable of Fontana at the time, and Jack Bavistock, who was the um, he was the A uh, and R man for Fontana Records, and his claim to fame was he never he never had one week without having songs in the top ten. Oh right, okay. So yeah. some of his artists yeah. every week, every week he had had ten. somebody in there. Unfortunately, he never got us into the top no. 10. <laughs> but he got us somewhere around the 40s or 50s in the yeah. New Musical Express. And uh, that was a big kick for us. Yeah. So, I mean, was this kind of dream come true territory at the time? You'd, you know, you'd gone, you were, this is a long way from working in the Chungum factory now. You've got a recording <laughs> contract all of a sudden. Yeah, the recording contract was a big, big deal. Yeah. And, uh, you know... Uh, we didn't even discuss money. Money wasn't important. I think, you know, we got little or nothing for it. But um, what was, what's important that we got a contract, a five-year contract, five albums. Nobody else had it in Ireland. We were very lucky. It gave us a start, not alone in England and Ireland, but also in America. Yeah. Because we went to America in 1966. And in 1966, um, we were amazed that people knew our music. And... Uh, Dorothy Hayden, who had a, a big, big Irish show over there in New York at the time. And she played us constantly. And when we got there, we played the city centre uh, ballroom for Bill Fuller. And 
uh, we were well known. So we were surprised that we were yeah. known, you know. So that, that was a great help. Having the recordings, you know, played on radio around the world probably, you know, made it for the Wolf Tones. And it, say your family you left behind. I mean, it must have been... I'm, a great sense of relief, maybe for them that you'd you'd made it because you know you were tr- you were treading a well trodden path going over to England, getting a job, but playing a bit of music in the folk clubs. Yeah. Others did it before you, others did it after, and nothing came of it. You know, they yeah, play yeah. for a few years, they fade away, they end up in that kind of you know that awful fr- the, the nobody's own and kind of England of these kind of Irish immigrants. Yeah, well, we we are lucky that we you know. The Irish immigrants uh, in, especially all over England and Scotland, loved the Wolf Tones. Yeah, and they loved the music. And we we did variation of music uh, about emigration, of course, Hills of Glen Swilly and things like that. And we'd lovely, we'd lovely songs, and we never forgot our heroes. And we had our rebel songs like Kevin Barry and uh, all the great heroes of Ireland. We've sung Bowden Sound Churchyard for Wolf Tone, and. Uh, we had all kinds of other type of songs as well. So we appealed, I guess, to the immigrants who bought our LPs and mm. bucket loads. And <laughs> uh, when you got to the States, you had that name recognition. Uh, so did did that mean you didn't have to go through the same experience in the States that you had in England of kind of working yeah. your way up from the bottom? Yeah, no, we didn't. Uh, uh, we were well known. When we went on in city city centre in uh in in uh, New York, uh, we were well known. We people there coming up and asking for various songs that they heard from the LP. Wow! And so that, that must that, have been mad for you. That helped, yeah. That, and we didn't realize. But that, even but the, even sorry, even the world back then was a bigger place. Like going to New, finding yourselves in New York with people asking you to you've never met coming up and asking you to sing some of your songs that they yeah. heard on the radio. And we had a funny experience. Mind blowing. Yeah, one of one of the one of the. Uh, people that came up to us, uh, uh, she was a McCrory, and she came up to us and she said, uh, I, I want, you know, you guys come on, I want to welcome you to New York, would you like to come up for dinner mm. on Sunday to her mother's house in 84th Street, 85th Street? Uh, she had a kind of a basement flat. And, uh, oh, we were delighted to get a homegrown meal. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we hiked up there to 85th Street, we were playing... We were staying down in, a, I think it was about 52nd Street or 53rd Street in in a hotel we used to call the Woodworm Hotel. <laughs> that wasn't the official name, I take it. <laughs> no, it wasn't. The Woodward Hotel, but the Woodworm used to call it. And that's where Bill Fuller put all the bands when yeah. you brought them over there, you know. And all it, piled into a room probably. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, there was, yeah. There were all billets, like with yeah. six or seven beds. <laughs> but it was fun. But the funny thing about it, when we got to McCrory's, this guy came in, and he was he was a rookie policeman. He was just in the in the the academy at the time, and he said something. He said like, hey, "You you guys want a beer?" And I said, "Were you in Ireland before?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, I was in Ireland just last August or whatever it was." Mm. And uh, I, he said, "Yeah." I said, "Were you looking for?" Uh, a place called Ballyfermot. <laughs> he said, "Yeah." I said, "You yeah, well, we're the people you asked." No way. <laughs> which way? Which way do we go? The Ballyfermots. 
and you just and you just bumped into him. <laughs> he was the son of the person that we were uh, having a meal with, which is mad. Ah, that is crazy. It, it was just chance. Yeah, a pure chance. But it, it was it, it was it it uh, initiated a friendship with the McCordys that lasted right up to this present day. Ah, that's a lovely story. Yeah, that is lovely. Um, to to what extent? I mean. Maybe it didn't at all. Did the outbreak of the Troubles complicate what you were singing? Well, when the Troubles happened, I, 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 took a, I took a stand that I wanted to help the people of the north of Ireland who had suffered uh, disgracefully for many, many years with nobody helping or nobody highlighting what they'd gone through, discrimination and housing, employment and every walk of life, the gerrymandering of uh, constituencies. Mm. And all those awful things that happened to the people of the North. Now, we had played in the North of Ireland in uh, many places, in Derry, in, in Belfast. We played the Ulster Hall and we played um, St. Mary's Hall, the Falls Road. So we had made a good lot of friends up there. Mm. So we understood uh, what they were going through as second-class citizens. So at that stage, I, I decided uh, that I wanted to uh, help the people uh, of the six counties, achieve civil rights for themselves. Mm. So um, you might remember that there was a, a, the march going from Belfast to Derry with, uh, and they were attacked by the Paisleyites in, uh, in uh, Bonturlet. Yeah. And two of, the, two of the young students that were caught at the time in that conflict was the, uh, Dolores and Marion Price. And I was very... I'm very, very upset about the holding that here, here were two young girls who spent their lives in prison because of that incident. And I wrote a song called People of Plight, and, uh, it, which highlighted, highlighted that, and we sang it in, across in America. Mm-hmm. People in America didn't really understand what was going on in Ireland. We tried to explain it the best we could and sing the songs relating to the events. So that that was the start, you might say, of our support for the pe- the troubles or the people in Northern yeah. Ireland. Now we had up to then. I saw we played the Ulster Hall one time, and Ian Paisley had a church there every Sunday. Yeah, he used to have a, a an open church. To the, he didn't have a proper building at the time, but he used the Ulster Hall, and we were upstairs um, waiting to get in for a sound check. And uh, he was down there pumping the bu- pulpit, as you might say. Yeah. And uh, uh, he he brought on this guy from Dublin who he had converted to a big, big round of applause. Yeah. It ended up with a, a, you know, a silent collection. You know what a silent collection was? No carnage, only notes. <laughs> 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 so that, that was the first time I saw Ian Paisley. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, he was a troublemaker from then. Thank God he came to his senses toward the end of his life. Mm. And, and uh, they, you know, they capitulated that awful trouble that they caused. Um, you would have thought different points been accused of, of uh, you know, not just, you, you're very clear, we were supportive of the people in Northern Ireland who were yes. oppressed. People would have said, you know, they're supportive of the provosts. As well, yeah, you know, that the, would have been said. The provosts weren't even a realm when we were there. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and when I started writing songs, um, you know, th- there was no sustain. In fact, the IRA didn't exist at the time. So I continued our support 
uh, for the people of the north of Ireland. Nobody else was doing it because remember, you got blacklisted for doing that. Mm. You know, in Section 31, I think it was Conor Cruz O'Brien said, we don't want to hear any songs like Wolf Tone songs on radio because <clears throat> they believed we were stirring up trouble. Yeah. Where in fact, we were stirring up trouble. We were supporting people. It's a difference. And I think that's a difference that people don't understand and people forget. And do you think that's, th- that's still the case? That that, yeah, that there's still a school of thought out there that the Wolf Tones were kind of a Provo band? Yeah, sure. It was in the papers and all. The, the, like, they'd say if you throw enough mud at yeah. the wall, some of it will stick. And some of it, of course, did stick. Now, they, we were attacked on the Late Late Show by Gay Bourne at one stage. We went on and sung The Ballad of Joe MacDonald and the Irish Eyes. And uh, uh, Joe MacDonald is a, an iconic song now, but back then it was just a new song that mm. we brought out to highlight the, um, the hunger strike. And uh, he he kind of uh, attacked us for supporting the provosts and all that kind of thing. And one girl that was on the audience or on the panel, she was running shows in uh, in uh, in Monaghan, mm. and he, she said all the money was raised and all the money went to buy guns for the IRA. That was her pitching the thing, and I said to her, "Look, that's not the case. We were there to support the Prisoners' Dependence Fund. That was people who were in prison. They had no job. They had dependents back in Belfast and other parts of Ireland who had no money, yeah. nothing to subsist on. So we gave the money to the Prisoners' Dependence Fund, not to the IRA for guns or anything else, for food. Yeah. So they twisted that and then she admitted at the end that that was the case. There was another person on it, um, some guy that was in uh, the UVF or something, and he he um, he said that he used to shoot Catholics for fun and he saw Jesus at the end of the bed and he doesn't shoot Catholics anymore. So, <laughs> and he got a big round, round of applause. I mean, for kind of febrile times, me. really. Jesus, when you look back. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a long way from where we are today, Um uh, and thank God for us. Um, how are you today? Because I know you had your health. Yeah, I have health problems. Well, so yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going to England hopefully soon. I I'm waiting on the call over. Um, I have a tremor, and uh, I believe this uh, procedure that they have in uh, St Mary's in London um, can uh, cure it. Okay. So I'm, I'm taking a chance. It's costing seventy grand, I think. <sighs> Right. Uh, thank God the the VHI has supported me in that. Wow. Okay. And um, I'll get over whenever I get the call. And, and do you know when that might be? I I, I wish I knew, but okay. I don't. Yeah. You're just on a kind of a list. Yeah, it's on a list. Okay. A waiting list, and when I get the call, I'll definitely go. And it's the tremor is like it, it it's it's gotten to the point that you feel you need to do something about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's just it in, it's affecting yeah. everyday life. Yeah, it is, and yeah. it does. Like uh, for instance. Um, I used to play the harp. Yeah. I can't play the harp anymore. I can't get the strings and yeah. you know manipulate them. I still play the banjo, but the requirement for playing the banjo going on stage is four pints. <laughs> <laughs> and if I, this is true now. And I told my neurologist about this. I said, look, uh, if I have four pints, I can go on. There's no shake or anything like that. Yeah. And he said, oh, my... Uh, 
All my patients tell me that they said they're all bloody alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. Four pints and I'm grand. Well, well, actually, on the subject of alcohol, uh, tell me about this bottle of whiskey in front of me. Wolf Tones Rebel Irish Whiskey. Yeah, when did this abs- come about? Absolutely, yeah. We did that. Well, I should I, say, I, I for did. people at home can't see, sorry, but there's, there's obviously Wolf Tone himself is on the front, but when you open up the box... <laughs> There's Brian smiling up at me from the bottle cap. <laughs> um, so anyway, sorry, where did it come from? Yeah, well, the idea came from John Teeling. You know, he has a great yes. distillery, he did a great northern distillery. Um, we knew John Te- Teeling from the, he used to come to our shows in the old Sheeling. And uh, my daughter-in-law, uh, Katrina, she thought it would be a good idea to get the whiskey. So mm. we spoke to John Teeling. He came out of the factory up there in Dundalk. It uh, gave us a tour around. He let us taste some whiskey. And uh, uh, he said he thought it'd be a great idea if we did bring out a Wolf Town bottle of whiskey. Yeah. So th- the, the idea started then. And I, th- we, I think we only done 1,500 bottles of it. But, um, you know, it's it's nearing the end now. So we're going to do a signing in the Padder Carneys down there beside the Olympia. Yeah on Sunday between 3 and 5. So anybody who wants a bottle of whiskey signed by the Wolf Tones will become very valuable in the oh, future. Oh, there you have it. Between <laughs> 3 and 5 this Sunday, Patter Carney's down by the Olympia and get your signed bottle of Wolf Tones Rebel Irish Whiskey. Brian Warfield, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Well, Thanks thank you, Kieran. It's my pleasure to be here, believe me. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.